Walsh has got it, twigging around. Gee, the tackle was a little high. Curran would win by four. McComb not quite. Gorn hopeful. Now Jamari Gulhagen kicks it long. It's got a lot of carry. That's something extraordinary. It's a high five from Jamari. Glory. Just coming back. Welcome back to the 15th edition of the In The Stands show and today we're going to have a look at some of the latest Australian boxing news. We're going to have a look at some of the AFL match simulations over the week as well. We're also going to get an interview with vicious knockout artist and one of Australia's best boxers at the moment, Isaac Hardman. So let's get into the news. To kick us off, we're going to have a look at some of the Aussie boxing news with Tim Zhu, the Australian, will be fighting former world champion Tony Harrison for a WBO Super Welterweight world title on his highly anticipated return to Australia on Sunday, the 12th of March. Zhu, 28 years old, will attempt to win his maiden world title on home soil in his first fight back in his native Australia since November 2021. American Tony Harrison is the former WBC Super Welterweight World Champion. He's also the only fighter to have defeated Zhu's previously planned opponent in current undisputed champion Jamel Charlo. Ranked number two in the world by the WBC and number three by the WBO, Harrison has a record of 29 wins, three losses and a draw with 21 of those wins via knockout. In a winner-takes-all scenario, the victor on March 12th is set to secure an undisputed title fight against Charlo. This fight is so highly anticipated as Tim Zhu can potentially relive his father's glory becoming a world champion. This fight's going to be Zhu's toughest test yet. And my prediction is that Zhu will get the decision win and get the job done. And one of the main reasons uh, because of this is because Zhu will be fighting on his home soil. The Sydney support for Zoo is going to drive him through that fight, and I think he'll have to take some huge shots early, but in the later rounds, he'll win him and eventually become the WBO interim super welterweight champion. Also fighting on the Team Zoo against Tony Harrison fight card will be Isaac Hardwin against Rowan Murdoch for the IBF Australasian super middleweight title. Isaac Hardwin joins us on today's show, and he was pretty... Uh, convinced he was going to get the win and I think he will as well he's a really strong boxer and he's stepping up that weight class that extra four kilos to get into the super middleweight division from his normal middleweight division I think he knocks out Rowan Murdoch but Rowan Murdoch is a very dangerous fighter he's 26 and 2 and and look he's he's a really good fighter and he's probably going to be one of Isaac Hardman's toughest tests yet after Michael Zarafa and it's going to be a great fight and 
And maybe Isaac Hardman might make a name for himself in the super middleweight division, but we're just going to have to wait and see. I think Hardman gets the knockout win, and he also thinks he will as well, and we'll hear from him later on in the show. For the third last fight on the Tim Zoo against Tony Harrison card will be Aussie Sam Goodman squaring off against TJ Doheny on Sunday the 12th of March at Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney. Sam Goodman steps into the ring with an undefeated record with 13 wins, zero losses and zero draws. Seven of those wins coming by way of knockout. TJ Doheny will make his way into the ring with a 23 win three loss record with 17 of those wins coming by way of knockout. TJ Doheny has lost to has stopped two of his last five opponents in his last fight. He lost to Michael Conlon on the 6th of August in 2021. So he hasn't fought for nearly two years but um, it, it should be a really good fight with Goodman and Goodman's ranked 6th for the WBO and 7th for the IBF and in the super bantamweight rankings. I think Goodman wins this fight. The Aussie support's going to help him a lot. And if he wins this fight, he's got to be next in line for a potential title shot uh, against Stefan Fulton. And, and look, we might have another another breakout boxing star of Australia. And, and hopefully he can get that win and lift Australia's boxing to a whole nother level. But also TJ Dolny hasn't fought for a long time. And Goodman's been relatively active fighting uh, but I think Goodman definitely gets the win. And that wraps up all the boxing news for today. Now we're going to have a look at the Carlton Collingwood preseason match yesterday. And we're going to review every quarter. So after the first quarter, Carlton were leading Collingwood 31-13. to The Pies started the quarter pretty poorly. But when we had the ball in Carlton's 50, we looked dangerous. A lot of good signs from one of Collingwood's newest recruits, Billy Frampton looking great at the back, taking some big marks on Kerno and Mackay. The ball movement from the back looked good, but the thing that was costing us was the matchups at the back. You saw players like Isaac Quainer coming up against Mackay, and, and clearly that's not going to work, and, and that's probably one of the biggest downfalls in the first quarter. But Carlton looked really strong. Their ball movement and switching all over the ground has been great, and Tom DeConing took two screamers in the first quarter and kicked a goal. So, great start for the year for him. And uh, next, we'll have a look at the second quarter review where Collingwood picked it up and a leading 49 to 47. The Pies kicked it off with a bang, kicking six in a row in just over 15 minutes. McStay has looked incredible so far. He's kicked a goal and he continues to just kick goals, take big marks, and he doesn't look afraid. And that's exactly what Collingwood needed. And many years we've been lacking that tall forward. And and I think McStay is going to be that uh, one player that's going to help us uh, be that big target man that you can see Carlton have and Brisbane have. Brisbane have with Joey Danaher, where if they put the ball up high, you see Joey Danaher going to it straight away. And also for Carlton. A ball goes up, Makai Kerno. Whoever's there, they get the ball nine times out of ten. Um, and and it's exactly what Collingwood needs. And the pickup was great. And and everyone pretty much knew McStay was going to come to Collingwood uh, throughout the year. And, and when it was announced, most Collingwood fans 
uh, were pretty happy because we need someone like that. We only really had my check and you can't sustain my check to be your tall forward and and having someone like McStay, it, it, it's so much easier getting the ball in the 50 and our target mans were pretty much Jamie Elliott and you can't have small players, you're relying on small players to get up every every contest and take screamers. So yeah, McStay pickups going to help Collingwood a lot. Frampton has continued to look good in this game. He took a fair few crucial marks at the back and Collingwood's movement around the ground and down the wing has been superficial, gaining the lead. Sit, still defensively, it's been hard at the back with Carlton kicking it to their tall forwards and, you know, slotting easy goals. But Dugowie has looked really good. When he turns it up, he is dangerous. And I don't think anyone in the league can sustain him. And he, he got into the forward line and he was in there for only a couple of minutes and he kicks a couple of goals. So it's when he turns on, he he's incredible and um, hopefully can get my pies to a grand final this year. But... Yeah, if he keeps this up and the way he played with that short spell in the forward line, it's going to help Collingwood out. Even even if we're down by a couple goals and you need to put a player like to go and get him out of the midfield and put him in the forward line and you've got him there, you know he's going to perform and it's exactly what Collingwood need. And um, and it showed today again that he was he was able to do this. But Carlton had a pretty poor second quarter. Not, be able to, not being able to cope with Collingwood's brilliant goal run, which they couldn't last year either in round 23. When Collingwood are on fire, nobody can stop them. And um, and uh, I think I think this is going to continue throughout the year. But they've picked up a fair few centre clearances with Collingwood being unable to get it out of the middle. And overall, a brilliant quarter from the Pies and hopefully they continue this from the third quarter at the end of the third quarter, Carlton leaves 75 to 57. Carlton had the wind and and they had a lot of opportunities. They could have kicked plenty of goals, but um, the wind the wind was a very big factor in yesterday's game and it put a lot of players off. You saw players like Jamie Elliott taking a screamer only 10 metres out on a slight angle missing goals that normally he slots and the wind pushes it across so much and yeah it was a bit of a pain for players but Collingwood didn't really didn't score at all till late late in that third quarter and it was all Carlton and Carlton had all the opportunities their movement looks really good um they can move the ball however they like and uh throughout the back throughout the wings throughout the middle they're, they're looking really really strong and um Collingwood weren't able to cope with it, but we lost players like Darcy Moore, still side bottom, Scott Pender, didn't play that uh, third and fourth quarter. Um, I think that was just for rotation, but um, hopefully Collingwood pick, pick it up in the fourth quarter. We saw players like Nicky Dacos coming more into the game with with a couple distribution, like good distributions off half-back flank and and it's needed for Collingwood. And we need players to step up even when we're down. And um, Nick Dacos did that a little bit. But uh, Carlton ended up defeating uh, their major rivals, Collingwood, winning 84 to 74. Collingwood were unable to kick goals despite having the majority of chances again. 
and it was one side, the goal kicking side, the um, not many players could score. And and it costed it costed um, costed both teams. I reckon Carlton would have had a bigger lead if they could kick straight and Collingwood maybe would have won if they uh, could kick straight. Jamie Elliott took a screamer. Bobby Bobby Hill got a bit more into the game, um, kicking a goal and a new player like Bobby Hill kicking a goal is going to be uh, superficial for the Pies. And with no Darcy Moore in the back line, it led Billy Hampton leading the back line. And yeah, look, went into a bit of shambles. But I think, I guess, Craig McRae is just testing things out. And you've got to test things out in pre-season to see if they can rely on Billy Frampton. If there's no Darcy Moore, Darcy Moore needs to be pushed into the forward line. But Collingwood rarely use the middle of the ground to transition the ball and played really right, which was something very interesting and something we only saw in last year's final series because throughout the year, we went up the guts so many times and it worked. But nonetheless, hopefully Craig McRae used this match as a guide f- uh, for the rest of the season. And um, on the other hand, Carlton looked really strong. Ball movement was great and they look like a really strong side. And if they don't make finals this year, something's wrong. Something's really wrong. Goal kicking was probably one of their things, one of their letdowns, and um, it, it's something that cost them last season as well with uh, the last match of their year where Mackay missed a couple goals and Kerno missed a couple easy ones. But overall, a great game and a close one as well, but both sides could take out positive and negatives from this match and both have a lot to work on. But that wraps up the Collingwood against Carlton match review. So thank you for listening to the In The Sand Show. I'll catch you after the break. Don't worry about a thing Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright Don't worry about a thing Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright If you got a tummy ache Or you don't feel right Or if you have a nasty rash Keeping you up at night Don't worry About a thing Don't worry Cause Atticus Health Will make you feel alright Welcome back to the In The Sand Show And now we are joined with Vicious knockout artist and one of Australia's best boxers, Isaac Hardman. So, Isaac, how are you going? Mate, awesome. That's a great introduction, by the way. <laughs> uh, killing it. Good stuff, mate. I'm, I'm doing really well. Even better now I'm on your radio station. Uh, thank you. So, on March the 12th, you faced Rowan Murdoch for the IBF Australasian Super Middleweight title. So, how's your preparation been so far and how do you think you're going to go? Mate, it's been really good. Um. Like, I always say my last prep was the best prep so far because I always just get better. Me and my coach, Blair, always refine the process. Um, and saying that, this one I did um, three weeks in Las Vegas. So, me and my coach, Blair, went out to uh, America and got some really high-quality, world-class rounds in with the likes of Shane Mosley Jr., Caleb Plant. Um, he's a really good guys. Did about 90 rounds in the, you know, uh, two and a half weeks we were there. So, it was really good. Um and I'm feeling great for this fight. It is not normally my division. Uh, 76 is one weight class up what I normally campaign at. I'm normally a middleweight. But yeah. um, we originally had a middleweight 
um, going over to America and then he pulled out and chose to go another route and another fight. And I just didn't want to miss out on the opportunity of um, this massive fight card with Tim Zhu fighting for his world title and the, the eyes that it, so I thought, ah, uh, you know, Raul Murdoch it is. Upper division doesn't worry me too much. And um, it's a good fight. It's a good fight for Australian fans. And I'm excited, man. I think I, I'm obviously I'm very confident and um, I don't ever – Go into a fight thing. I'm not going to win, so uh, I'm going to win, mate. Yeah. Uh, you just said you uh, spied against Caleb Plant and um, Shane Mosley Jr. How was that experience? Unreal, mate. It was um, so the one the Shane Mosley Jr.'s uh, really um, famous name. You know, Shane Mosley's yeah. dad was fought the the best of the best, and um, being an Aussie, we got into the top ranked gym and. Um, uh, apparently not many Australians get invited there. Um, so we got in there anyway and they sort of gave me the brush, the cold shoulder when we got in there said, oh, yeah, yeah. two rounds Mosley, mate. And I thought, wow, this is going to be awesome. And um, they sort of – I think they expected me to get pasted a little bit because they got a referee up there that organises the rounds and sort of yeah. orchestrates it. He looked at me and he said, oh, four rounds, mate. I said, nah, I'm doing eight. And he sort yeah. of rolled his eyes. Like, yeah, we'll see about that. And um, by the end of it, mate, we there's two rings there in the top ranked team. By the end of it, we had the whole crowd around our our ring because we were having a proper punch on. And um, yeah, but out of it, mate, was just uh, I, I know I can mix it with the the best guys in the world. Being Caleb Plant, yeah, you know, I know Shane Mosley's had a few losses and stuff. He's still a phenomenal athlete. He's been on a platform bigger than most. Um, he just has a hard time because his dad was so famous and so good. Uh, so they always compare him to him, but. The likes of Caleb Plant, mate, he's only lost this to Canelo Alvarez and that took 11 rounds for Canelo to get that done and I didn't feel out of place or a step behind him at all. It was very competitive and instantly, as soon as it finished, they asked me to come back. So, um, yeah. you know, that's the way you're not getting asked back if it was shitty work. So, yeah. it was good, man. Good. So, throughout years as a boxer, you've knocked out so many opponents. Which one's your favourite and why? Ooh, favourite knockout. That's a good question, man. Um, well, the the last one I come off, Bo Hardis, um, you know, he's a little bit inactive. It was the knockout of the year, yeah. um, but it probably wasn't as satisfying as some because he was such a good guy and, you know, it's always nice to knock out someone that's a bit of a dickhead, I reckon. Um, <laughs> um, my favourite knockout. Uh, E-Man, the E-Man stoppage was really oh, yeah. good for uh, E-Man, he, not that he's a dickhead. Like, we had a bit of... Um, mm. Banter going into it. a little bit of animosity was there, but um, because he was so sharp that the first three rounds he well the first round he come out and he tagged me and he's super fast and um my coach even admits after the fact that he was like oh scratching his head at some points in that fight, but because that was super competitive and he was tagging me, I was tagging him and I come out on top. That was a really satisfying win for me and because E Man was like a hot commodity at the time, he was twelve and one. I think that's probably. I feel like that's been my best boxing performance, even though it's, it was only the four rounds. Um, yeah, that's probably my favourite, man, the E-Man fight, yeah. for sure. So do you have any aspirations or goals for the rest of your boxing career? Absolutely, mate. Like, I think anyone that's um, not in this sport to be the best in the world shouldn't be doing it, you know. I, yeah. I want to fight for the belts like Tim Zhu's fighting for, you know. Uh, world title one day is they're my aspirations, mate, and um, I wouldn't feel like, I've fulfilled my boxing career or finished it on the runway if I didn't at least have a shot at a world title. Um, you know, for instance, Liam Wilson got his shot, you know, two weekends ago and he got robbed, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but he had a great account of himself and um, one day is to get a world title shot and I believe I'm good enough to do that and I'm marketable enough to be in a position where they will give me a world title shot um, and I'll just make sure I, I bring it home to Australia for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So many years back, you used to be an MMA fighter and you won nine fights. Why did you make the move over to boxing? Um, oh, where'd you go? There you go. Um, at the time, man, still as a kid, when I was, you know, your age, 14, 15, I was obsessed with the UFC. I discovered yeah. a guy named Chuck and I was mm-hmm. YouTube and Liddell videos and I fell in love with um, MMA when they used to do the Tough House on Fuel TV and that was my dream was to be an MMA fighter. I told everyone in high school I was going to do it straight out of high school. I went to an MMA gym and got the ball rolling. never had any amateur fights um, or any other training. I just went straight into MMA and that was always the dream. And um, I happened to blow out my um, knee like an ACL, fully yeah. ruptured my ACL. Um, the plan coming back was to just have a boxing fight because I didn't really care about boxing at the time. It was just a... I had like nine months, ten months out of the sport and I just wanted to have a boxing fight. Didn't care if I won or lost. And then I was going to get back into MMA and sign mm-hmm. to the UFC. I had offers from the UFC to sign with them on late notice and I wasn't in a position to do it. And um, I was fighting on the Paul Gallon versus John Hoppawati card, which happens to be a limit card, you know, in 2019. And um, I got a really good win on that, a first-round knockout. And a guy named Dean Lonigan um, who ran Foxtel shows, said, mate, yeah, let's sign you up. And um, just for me, it's doing something really cool, which is fighting other yep. another bloke. Not many people can say they do that. And I want to get paid accordingly. This sh- mm. My window to be paid and make a good living is very short in this sport. So um, I can't be doing it forever, and I know that. So I want to be paid the most amount of money for something that's really hard to do. So at that time, MMA wasn't it was terribly being paid um, and boxing made a lot more sense and it got a lot more eyes on me because I was on Foxtel. Um, so I just made the switch, man, and I'm not looking back. So, um, yeah, yeah to get paid and do something cool as, man. Yeah. So do you think you're ever going to go back to MMA? Man, it's not out of the question, that's for sure. Like, um, my like, first goal is to go and accomplish my boxing career Yeah. Um, and be at peace with my boxing career. Um but if there, an opportunity comes up, there's there's been boxers that have gone over to MMA, like James Tony went over to MMA and fought Randy Couture um, and got put it on his back and it was bad, Like and vice versa. Like McGregor went over to fight Mayweather and he got his yeah. head punched in. So there's been a few crossovers, not any successful like crossovers from boxing to MMA, whereas I've got a 9-0 record. I was the best in Australia at one point, three-time yeah. three Australian. So if an opportunity come and they paid me good money, like, the way I think about it is like imagine if Canelo Alvarez one day, maybe I'm never going to be a Canelo, but have a platform like him and he crossed over to the UFC. Imagine how many people are going to watch that, tune in to watch yeah. Canelo Alvarez do an MMA fight. But previous to his boxing career, he had all this MMA experience. It'd be awesome. So mm. maybe one day in that where I um, can do that and that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that wraps up the questions. So thank you, Isaac, for joining us. I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best of luck for your fight. Thanks, Ace, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay. That wraps up the In The Sand Show. So thank you for listening to the In The Sand Show. I'll catch you next week. Walsh has got it. Twigging around. Gee, the tackle was a little high. Coming with wind down four. McComb not quite. Gorn hopeful. Now Jamari Gulhagen. 
Kicks it long. It's got a lot of carry. That's something extraordinary. It's a high five from Jamal. Glory. Just coming back.